Okay, the Joe Newman Quintet with Wednesday's Blues. Newman is on trumpet. Frank West is on tenor sax. Tommy Flanagan on piano. Eddie Jones on bass and Oliver Jackson on drums. This is from Newman's 1960 album, Swingsville. This is Lead Stories. I'm Utrecht Lead, and good to be with you again today. Uh, and we're going to get to talking in a minute. But we should note that several states have had, as of yesterday, we've had their elections, and the results are in for some, but not for all. They're still tallying votes and authenticating the numbers. So we'll know soon enough what the final picture looks like. But it's an interesting time, that's for sure. Uh, as the, the vote goes. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, what is the state, you think, of democracy in the United States at the moment? How would you categorize it? How would you describe it? Is it in in crisis, in peril, or is it working just fine? Is it leading somewhere? Is it going to get better? Is it getting worse? What is your thought about that question? 888-874-4888 is the number to call. What is the state of affairs with our democracy? Is it in peril? Is it doing just fine? Are we in crisis? Are things going as expected? Or do we have trouble on the line? <laughs> do we have trouble coming up soon? And if so, what kind of trouble do you expect it to be? Let's talk about that today. Since the elections were held yesterday, and as I said, uh, it's, nothing is really finalized just yet, although uh, the results have been called in a couple of races, but generally, even so, they said that they're still tallying. As you may know, California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, New Jersey, and South Dakota held their primaries yesterday. All right. Who's up first? Let's, we, we are back at the same space of everybody waiting for everybody else. Let's get this moving, shall we? At 888-874-4888. The question is U.S. democracy in crisis, in peril? And why do you think so, if you think so? Uh, I'd be willing to hear what you have to say, but more so to hear what your reasons are, what your explanation is for 
why you think what you're thinking. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> Nothing yet. This is really beginning to bother me. I'm wondering, is it that there's such a time lag between what we're saying and what you're hearing? Uh, or is it that people are waiting to see other people or to hear other people respond first and they don't want to be first? Come on, we're all grown up. We can do this. We can do this and express our opinions. And it is important that you do because the way things are going, we're going to be needing regular people, a lot of regular people with their regular thinking because they'll be coming up against firmly entrenched uh, political interests and who knows how that will turn out. Muhammad from New York, you start us off today. You're on the air. Good afternoon. Hope all is going well. America, this democracy... America is on the expressway to fascism. Why do I say that? I say that because the wealth gap is widening. Hello? Yes, I'm listening. There's a dog barking outside my window. Oh. Outside my window. Everything happens right outside my window, although it is closed okay. at the moment. Okay. We still have interlopers. Okay. I, I said that because the wealth gap is widened between those who have and those who don't have. And, you know, something is, is, has to happen. And the people that don't have, they're not going to accept this for too long as doing many other countries and societies. So what the, um, we have more so-called people that don't have wealth or, than the people that do have it. So we are a majority. So they cannot afford to let us have the vote because we'll vote them out. And as we can see yesterday, I recall one race where one particular politician spent millions of dollars in his campaign. And I say that because once those people get into power, the only way they're going to be able to contain the people at the bottom is past draconic laws. And that's why I said fascism. And uh, I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it. The great and go all digital. And as they say, you'll own nothing and be happy. So the way the current way we're going, we're heading toward fascism. That's my particular. Well, are you, are you being an alarmist here? You 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 call it fascism as if it is going to be all over the place. It is a done deal. It is certain. And uh, but are you sure about that? Um, well, it's it's not going to really happen, Beatrice, because the people are not going to put up with it, and it's going to be what they call a so-called rebellion. Or, and most people are not going to do nothing because most people, the way they're working and struggling just to survive, they don't have time to really think critically and see what's going on. Many people I talk to, I can talk to you and your, my particular classmates on here, and they understand that most people I talk to just in this, 
in the public, in the society, some of my friends, they don't have a clue of what's really get on, going on. They can feel something is going to happen soon, and it's not going to be nice, but they can't tell you what it is. So I say that because... So if it's in, if it's in an, if it's, if democracy is in crisis, yes, what do you see as the, uh, the solution? Uh, Utrecht, I say this like all other empires, and I said this before, I'll say it again. You had the Portuguese in the 15th, Americans following the same patterns. The Spanish in the 16th, the Dutch in the 17th, the French in the 18th, the British in the 19th, and the American in the 20th. And they all go down the same way. Military overreach is one of them, and the wealth goes to the top, and they overspend. They overspend in their budgets and they fall apart. Now, America not going to fall right away, but little by little. It's no goal to back up their currency. The gold has been sold to investment firms. They sell it. And some of us have a few coins. And when the debt becomes too large, like in Cyprus, they're going to take the gold back and probably give us a fraction of its worth. So we're going to have some austerity, and I think we're going to have some depression coming. That's my particular perspective. Okay, thank you very much for getting us started today. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. You're really welcome. Hi, Ed. Is Ed there? Okay. The call was dropped. All right. 888-874-4888. The question is, is American democracy in crisis? If so, how can you tell? And what do you think will happen next to avert, possibly avert, or to even deal directly with this crisis. 888-874-4888. We just had some elections yesterday. There are all kinds of results, but there were all kinds of issues on the table as well. And in their own different ways, in the different cities where these elections were held, you had something there that wasn't there before. And what was there, I think, yesterday was a clear cry for something new, something different that could help people uh, realize their modest goals and dreams and aspirations. But I think generally the sentiment was that people are struggling and they're angry because they believe that in the great American uh, sit, uh, cities of, 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 of in the great cities of America, this should not be happening. We should not be struggling as we are as a nation. So, what is your take on this? Is 
politically speaking, is America in crisis? What is accounting for it? And what is likely to be, if there is going to be a solution, what is it likely to be? Gene from Maryland, you're on the air. Hi, Eutrice. Thank you for taking my call this afternoon. Thank you for calling. So, you know, this is an interesting question you've got here today. And I would begin by pointing out that we have never had a democracy here in the United States. What we do have is a representative republic. And the nature of a representative republic is to have someone else speak for the masses when it comes to issues of government. In looking at that, our ability as a people has been under fire since the beginning of the Republic. But I I would just point out some of the more contemporary activities which have usurped it our rights as people. I point to the activities of a variety of secretaries of state. You'll recall we had a secretary of state in Florida. We had another one in Ohio uh, about 20 years ago where these people were taking large swaths of the electorate and simply removing their ability to vote without check, without validation, without anything that would follow the particular course which is prescribed for removing someone's right to vote. In New York State, we see again and again where it is impossible, not nearly impossible, but impossible to get a third-party candidate on the ballot because of the Democrats in control of the electoral process from Albany. We see things in California where this recall process that gets used to remove an elected official from office because some wealthy parties don't like them and have enough money to produce a campaign to have them removed in an election where a very few number of people actually vote. So these are just a couple of examples which point to the notion that we do not have a democracy. And again, I argue that we never did. Okay, well, For purposes of our discussion today, it's a technical point. Um, We we know what we're talking about, Uh, whether it is called a democracy, whether it is called a plutocracy or whatever ocracy that you wish to call it. The fact is that people are beginning to question what is the nature of the relationship, the governance relationship between people and those systems that control them. 
What do you say to that? I, I would suggest that the structure that we have here was set up in this manner to allow for the levels of corruption, control, and management by the moneyed few to extend itself over time and not allow too much opportunity for those people who do not have the money, who do not have the property, and do not have the wealth, and do not have the, the social standing as the people who were outlined initially um, to, to be those who control. So I, I would point to you, we, we have seen a few people who, who have managed to get through, uh, you know, and I would point to someone like Cynthia McKinney. I would point to Adam Clayton Powell. Uh, there have been a few. But nowadays, what you're looking at are people who either believe in that structure of moneyed control, or they are a part of that structure of moneyed control. And, and I, I'm hopeful that um, Henry will call in today, um, and maybe he could talk a little bit about the Pritzker family. And the, the Pritzkers are a very, very wealthy family from Illinois who have simply taken over. And well, they're not the only ones. So no, let I, me get I back to the, the I want to get back to the question. Is there, as you see it, a crisis in what we understand generally to be or what we generally call this democratic process that we love so much in the United States? Yes, it, it is a crisis. Um, but I, I, I think that the crisis comes at us from a different direction. I, I think it is a crisis because we believe that our vote every four years for president, every two years for the House of Representatives, and every six years for a senator, and the odd state vote that happens every now and again, is an action that we can take that is going to have some effect on the problems that we face. And we see this election after election, campaign after campaign, nothing changes. And the few people that have stood with strong voices and an effort to make that change have clearly been run out. And again, I point to Cynthia McKinney, Adam Clayton Powell, and anyone else who has attempted to get themselves elected as someone who has a different school of thought. It doesn't happen. Thank you. Thank you so much for lending your voice to the subject today and doing so with great enlightenment. Thank you. Ed from Thank Queens, you. you're on the air. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. <laughs> yeah. I had to. Uh, I guess I had to, 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 
to check my equipment. Uh, I heard you, but you couldn't hear me initially. Good afternoon, Beatrice. How you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Good afternoon to you too. Thank you. Uh, addressing your question of, is this what I call experiment in democracy for the past what is it three four hundred <laughs> years now? Is it is it in crisis? Yes, it is. Um, I believe that with the well, with uh, a lot of things, the election of Donald Trump. Uh, the, the outburst and, and demonstrations by Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party, the reaction of the of the uh, Democratic Party, Pelosi and Schumer. I believe the the mask is off for a lot of people, and we're seeing that this representative democracy does not represent the people at large. And there is a small group, a small cabal, what I call Davos men, the ultra rich. Who, who who have bought these politicians and they these politicians work for their interests, and I think that's becoming more evident to people. Um, I pay attention to a lot of news media. I don't just look at the uh, the standard fare. And what is happening now is that there's a little bit of an awakening going on in America. Uh, the Poor People's Campaign on June 18th. I'm going to hopefully participate if things go the way I planned them in that march on Washington. I believe that Reverend Barber has a solid message and he's reaching a lot of people and that's flying underneath the radar. And and I believe that uh, this could be a watershed moment. This could be a, a, a shift in uh, the American populace in realizing that this government is not for us. And I think that's, that's the glimmer of hope that I can see at the end of the tunnel. But otherwise, as far as the political establishment, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of dead dogs. I mean, even the ones, even from the squad to, uh, to, 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 to Omar, to all of them, once they get in the position where they can do something, they opt not to for political power and political compliance. And that's the problem. You know, people don't hold... These political parties, these political uh, people don't hold themselves to a standard. They don't have a moral standard. They're, they're, they're for sale. And it's become more evident throughout the years, throughout these campaigns, throughout these political moves. They're, they're, they're for sale. And the people are getting tired of it. So what is the natural reaction? What is the natural outgrowth of the sentiment that you're expressing here? What is going to happen? It, would people just not vote and leave it at that? Or would something else take the place of what we have now? What do you think? I believe that uh, I believe that Reverend Barber's campaign is going to play a major part in it. I think there's a lot more. I've been involved with it personally, and I've done some recruiting. I was, I was uh, at, at the rally when he came to New York. And there are a lot more people than you think are involved with this poor people's campaign and there are and, and it's reaching a lot more ears than the media is, is portraying. It's, it's hardly being reported. And there's going to be a large amount of people that gather in Washington DC on the eighteenth. And I think that movement is taking heart. It's gonna be it's gonna be local. I mean it's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, local campaigning, a lot of local actions are taking place. People are taking the initiative on on themselves. They're not looking for someone else. They're not looking for someone to come and save them. I'm noticing that. People are starting to do things on their own. And with the advent of the Internet, 
and the advent of uh, what happened, especially with, with the uh, COVID outbreak and how people found they could function with modern technology, Zoom meetings, uh, uh, working with the cell phone, working with the telephone, even though it's not what I'm used to from the old school when you got out there and put boots to the ground. But these new movements are gaining momentum. And, and I don't think we're really seeing what's happening. And I think we might be in for we might be in for a pleasant surprise, even though I'm very pessimistic normally. We might be in for a pleasant surprise. But I do believe America on the whole, as far as the national level, is an empire in decline. But I think what's going to come out of that, it's hard to tell. But I know there are a lot of local people with good intentions that are manifesting themselves now. And, you know, I, I try to be optimistic, even though it's very difficult. So you are hopeful, and what are you hoping for? I'm hoping for a change. I'm hoping for a, a more a more receptive government. I'm hoping for people to become more aware. There's a lot of knowledge out. There's a lot of there's a lot of information. There's a lot of knowledge, but there's not a lot of wisdom because wisdom is knowledge applied, and people have to learn how to apply the knowledge and the information that's out there to constructively improve their lives. And I think that's happening. That's starting to happen. Starting to happen with a younger generation. I mean, the guys like me from uh, men of a certain age, we can consult, but it's their game. They got skin in this fight. You know, they, 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 they got to win this fight. And I think they're starting to, to wake up on a level. It's not the level that I like to see, but I don't see everything. So I'm hopeful that it's it's more intense than I think it is. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thanks for calling back. We'll take this break and come back to the question right after this. All right. Joe Newman blasting away on trumpet with Wednesday's blues. I really like that musician, Joe Newman and in his quintet here. We're talking about a whole different subject today, uh, asking, is American democracy in crisis? How can you tell? How do you know? What were or are the, the signs? And if you can... Tell us what the signs have been and why they are so glaring now that should cause us to pause and really consider the situation we're in. Then if you can just go the next step and tell us what you think the best reaction to this dilemma would be. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. 888-874-4888. I did remind the listening audience that we did have some uh, primaries yesterday in California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, New Jersey, and South Dakota. And the numbers are not yet final, so we'll, we'll find out how things turned out. But there's enough indication that the, the waters are 
deeply troubled. And we don't know yet whether this is an indication of where things will go with other states as they hold their primaries. People are really having a problem. They're having a problem. It may be uh, financial, but it has to be expressed politically in a situation like this. How will they express their problems, economic problems politically? What would that look like when all is said and done? What do you think? Is American democracy in peril? Is it in crisis? And what gives you that indication that it is in crisis? Some people would argue, well, even if it is in crisis, it continues to function as if it isn't. So why would you say it is in crisis? Why make that claim when, in fact, things are going along just fine? The scheduled elections are going along. People are voting, probably not with the same kind of heart as they used to vote, but they're voting. So what is this time that we're in? How do you classify it? Especially overlapping the elections on, on top of that. 888-874-4888. Let's go. Let's go. You're kind of slow on the draw here. That's not like you. That's not like you at all. Let's hear what you're thinking. 888-874-4888. There is something to be said about what a time like this should spark in terms of new political movements. It should spark, or at least we should expect, uh, a, a kind of activity we haven't seen in a long time or we haven't seen at all before. But we don't know, we don't see we haven't really give, been given evidence of where people want to take this this desire to be different, to not continue the way the country has been going, but to forge a new path. And that takes time. But I haven't seen it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that I, I see everything, but... I haven't seen indications that people are moving in a concerted way, in an organized way, to achieve a, a different kind of approach to politics that meets what they consider their most important needs. The needs of the party, as expressed by party officials, seems to be what is issued. Um, they say this is what we need to happen and it is the people's job to go out and make it happen. But I think we're turning the corner on a different style and a different way 
in expressing our political thought and will. Jeremiah from Harlem, you're on the air. Hi, Patrice. Um, Hi. So, yeah, in, in regard to the question at hand, is American democracy uh, on the decline? I think we'd have to first of all acknowledge the fact that America's never really been a democracy. And, uh, you know, Noam Chomsky has disappointed me quite a bit of late. Uh, his analysis still stands. And, you know, he points to the early presidential conventions where this was debated amongst the elites. And apparently Thomas Jefferson, who, you know, was a slave holding serial rapist who I'm not particularly fond of, he was actually the liberal uh, representative in the discussion. And apparently he was saying that the people, although not the wisest brokers of power, are the most honest. And therefore, sort of the popular vote could have a, a leveling off factor to sort of um, help counterbalance the corruption of the powerful. But according to Chomsky and according to the history that's unfolded in this country, um, he lost the debate, Jefferson did. And people like Thomas Jay, or not Thomas Jay, but uh, John Jay and, um, mm -hmm. and others uh, made comments like the people who own the country need to run our country. And they pretty much won the debate, and the rest was history. Then Chomsky takes us to the early part of the 20th century, and he references the book uh, Manufacturing Consent, um, which is written by Walter Littman, who was called the Dean of American Journalism. And he made a remark to the effect of, a revolution has taken place in the practice of democracy, which will allow the president to organize the country and manage the country's affairs with the assistance of, quote, a few Wall Street financiers. And, you know, the, the hypothesis, and I, I don't think there's much uh, debate about it, if you were to look at it truthfully, is that the real history of American democracy has been a history of marginalizing the public. The whole notion of, of you know, being inclusive, caring about everyone's opinion, everyone's vote. It's not true. The point is to marginalize the public so that, as Brother Dave points out over and over again, and rightfully so, uh, the wealthy people, the oligarchs, can manage their, their power and their wealth accordingly. And any notion that um, the so-called common man and woman is being taken into consideration well, that's fantasy and mythology. So I don't think that there ever particularly was a democracy to deteriorate. The facade of the whole thing is even starting to deteriorate, I think, is what we're witnessing. And uh, sort of it's reminiscent of, of a punch-drunk boxer. Um, it's reminiscent of someone who's been abusing drugs for a long time. It's really starting to show. Take whatever analogy you want, but yeah, there's a degenerative quality about the whole thing. So, what do you think? What do you think after the, this next round of elections? Do you think that there will be a lot of uh, exploration of new ways of doing politics in the United States? 
Um, I think that's going to come about by necessity. You know, in my previous call, I alluded to people forming different types of cooperatives, um, community farming, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of solutions to our problems are going to come actually out of necessity as a system collapses unto itself. And, you know, I'm in this whole mess, so I hope it doesn't get too chaotic. I hope it doesn't get too dangerous. I hope um, it doesn't get too violent. But, um, you know, food is starting to cost more and more. I mean, you know, what are they going to do next? Charge for air? I mean, water already costs more than fruit. And, um, you know, next thing is you're going to have to buy a bottle of air. So that tells me you're not at all optimistic about where things are going. Not, not in terms of the system. I am optimistic in terms of human creativity and human perseverance. And, you know, out of the ashes, the phoenix shall rise type of thing. I believe in the human spirit. I don't believe in capitalism. I don't believe in America, per se. I mean, let's be honest, let's look at American history. It's, it's not a pretty picture, you know. We made jazz music and, you know, various forms of entertainment. But it's a it's a violent, older society in a lot of ways, and there's really nothing to write home about in terms of civilizational standards. I mean, I find it so strange that we've had the same my entire life. This you know America's number one type of thing, greatest country in the world, which first of all, it's not very humble or modest to say that, and second of all, it's not true. Because by a lot of measures, a lot of other countries in the so-called developed world are doing better than we are in terms of educational standards, healthcare standards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're definitely the number one in, in fantasy, the number one in gun violence, number one in lack of health care. We're number one by all of those measures, but you know, where we where we got this notion in our head that we're just the greatest thing in the world. According to what and based on what. Well, thank you. Thank you for thank you. your contribution today. Thank you very much. 888-874-4888. As we close in on the end of the program, uh, you would want to kind of get your two words in at 888-874-4888. Based on what you have observed, based on what is being reported, what's in the general, in general circulation, is American democracy in crisis? What do you think? And what makes you think it is, or what makes you think it is not? Either way, I'd like to know how you arrived at your conclusion, at your opinion. 888-874-4888. It's a crucial time, and we are going to explore some other things that are related to this, very much so. And But for the moment, we have had, uh, and we still will continue to have, 
primary elections, which is the way that the political parties kind of sift out what is going to be their agenda and who is going to fulfill it. So uh, we've had elections and the final results are not yet in, but we see that in some states, including the largest state, uh, California, uh, had an election, uh, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Mexico, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Eventually, all of the states will be accounted for, and we will see the big picture. But we, we can have educated guesses at this time. We, we can pretty much, uh, I think, based on how the news has been breaking in the last several months, we can have an idea about what is happening at ground level in most of these states and uh, uh, to particular populations in these states uh, who have been mired in this fight for democracy for a very, very long time. What is the state of affairs? And where do things go in a time like this when we're seeing uh, the ratcheting up of the so-called conservative group who have become quite militant about what they deserve. Uh, of course, this was the element that Donald Trump uh, in particular introduced in the general discussion. We have other groups that have uh, affiliated with him and are spreading the message as well that the time has come for the people, whoever they are, uh, to take charge and to exercise their God-given rights as per the Constitution. And we, we didn't hear very much in terms of a backlash. We didn't hear a reaction from quarters that we typically hear reactions from. But uh, I wonder what this all means. And what will we see at the end of all of these elections, these primaries that are run, what will the new lineup look like and what will be the new political uh, agenda and conduct be? Do you have any ideas? 888-874-4888. It's, it's important, very important to not feel how should I say, put upon to share your ideas. It is important to share your ideas because you never know that people might be looking to see where they make their next move and why they're making their next move. That depends on the role we together play in educating people, and giving them the encouragement they need to stand up for themselves and to discuss among themselves the state of affairs. How do we navigate the immediate future 
uh, how do we uh, protect our interests? How do we carve out the little bit of space that we, we desperately need to wield our own power and influence and to be a system of checks and balances in fact and in truth against a system that seems to have all the tools it needs to do the exact opposite, to undermine the the larger population, to basically make life a little bit tougher, uh, needlessly, by the way. But we have to struggle with that. It helps when we talk to each other and don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame me if something happens and you need you need to talk. No, it will be too late. This is the time to talk and to express your ideas and to trade your ideas with others. Um, don't wait until the door is shut tight and then it becomes yet another fight added to the fight that we we anticipate waging. Take the chance and the opportunity to share your thoughts with others and see where you are. You know, see, everybody can see where they are, what they agree with, what they don't agree with, what they think is workable, what they don't think is workable. But we can't do anything until we talk to each other. And I am amazed, uh, in a disappointed way, that people are just not enthusiastic about talking about what they're thinking. Uh, did you get a memo or something? I don't. <laughs> I didn't issue one. That's for sure. But it is very important. This is political work, and the political work is always about making contact with others, expressing your thoughts and your ideas uh, to others, listening to what they in turn have to say. Uh, We teach each other, we educate each other. Sometimes uh, we have no idea about the impact we're having because, you know, we we just think we're talking. But in some cases, it is like a lightning rod to people who say, I never, I never thought about that. I should look into this a little deeper. I should get into this a little bit more. We should talk about it at a community level. This is how growth happens and is encouraged. Your ideas are valid. Even if people disagree, that's okay. It's all right to disagree. You don't want to be disagreeable, but you can disagree quite freely, as a matter of fact. It's the essence of good communication, and you can move in a far more intelligent way when you're armed with information. When you block yourself from information, oh, that's, that's, that's sadness. You don't want to do that. So open yourself up and share your ideas and have no fear about that. 
because so much is riding on the line with that. People are looking for leadership in so many places. We're not finding it. It's not in, in generous supply. So that's part of the, the, the problem, the crisis, is that we have been hampered by our lack of information and our lack of uh, coming together and discussing things, exchanging ideas. So I could only urge you to take advantage of an opportunity to express and exchange ideas with others. You never know what you might learn and what might be of great use to you and your community because you took the time to exchange your views and to listen to other people's views as well. Well, that brings us to the end of our program today. I thank those who called and contributed so meaningfully today. Let's get together and talk some more tomorrow. Bye-bye.